Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Welcome to Football is Family, a podcast dedicated to the fan and fan experience. My name is Jeremy McFarland, and I want to look at the positive behind what makes football so enjoyable to watch and follow. I want to know why you are a fan of your team, of a player, or an era of football. Whether the pros, college, or high school, I want to hear and share your stories and your love for the game. If you want to be part of this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore McFarlane, or on Facebook at the Footballist Family Facebook page. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. We'd like to welcome every we'd like to welcome everybody to the Footballist Family Podcast. I'm gonna do a little something different today. Normally we talk professional football, but I'm going to do a little something different. We're going to talk about college football today. And my guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for having me today. My name is Ken McGee, M-A-G-E-E, and I was born and raised in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I'm a University of Michigan Wolverine football fan, historian, collector. That is that is what I'm talking about. And He's got the Block M uh, the amazing blue on his head right now, and your shirt is fantastic. The wing helmet. Thank you. Thank um, you. I look, look. I I know a little bit about Michigan football, just a little bit. Uh, but I respect anyone who is into their team who collects. And uh, Ken, I think you and I are going to get along with this discussion. So tell me, outstanding. You said For a you quick question. Up. Do your viewers? Quick question. Do your viewers see yeah. a video or just hear the video? Oh, they hear it. They hear it. Okay, they hear it. Okay, all right. But you can show me pictures, and and that that's okay. Uh, okay. But he. Uh, but you're an historian. Did you go to University of Michigan? I went to graduate school at Michigan for a little while. I was working on my master's degree there. But originally, I have both my college degrees in criminal justice for Michigan State University. But I was born and raised in Ann Arbor. When you're born and raised in Ann Arbor, it's hard to get the maize and blue out of your blood. Coincidentally, I, when I went to Michigan State, my best friend was an All-American punter, and he convinced me into trying out for the football team because I was a martial artist and I could kick. And uh, so I trained with him all the time. So I was a walk-on on the Michigan State Spartans football team. I got cut very quickly by Daryl Rogers when they recruited a young man out of Indiana by the name of Morton Anderson. Oh, and so uh, Morton is now in the College Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, Morton and I, uh, we trained together, but he was obviously Morton Anderson. So that's my claim to fame that uh, I got to train with Morton. And eventually Morton and I were in Ray's wedding. So, um, nope, didn't go to Michigan for undergrad school. But again, born and raised in Ann Arbor. Shim Beckler family is uh, close friends of me, mine to this day. And um Bo was like a um, mentor to so many of the young kids in the neighborhood because we all went to the same elementary school. His kids went to our elementary school, junior high and high school. So 
that's my story. That's a, that's a great story. Now, if I remember correctly, Bo is not his original name. He was called Bo because his sister, his little sister could pronounce the word brother. Was that correct? There's some truth to that. Yes, there's some truth to that. Well, tell me, uh, give us a little bit of history of, of Michigan football. It's been around since about 20 years, been since the 80s, right? Yeah, exactly. So the University of Michigan started playing football in 1879, and um, and uh, subsequently they played 1,364 games, and they're in a, consistently in the top two or three for best winning percentage in most wins. About 15 years ago, I think they were number one in both categories and would alternate back and forth with winner, winning percentage with Notre Dame, but at the end of the day. Uh, we had some lean times, so to speak, and uh, so some of the other teams have caught up. But we're happy to report that last week or last year, the train got back on the track. Do you feel that um, – what, what do you think the future of Michigan football looks like right now for you? I think we've got two good quarterbacks right now. I'm not sure on how the NIL is going to impact college yeah. sports, but I have a feeling that can do nothing but make it negative. I just don't see the positive aspects in NIL teams competing. It's just going to be like a minor league version of the NFL, but uh, it's here to stay. So we have to embrace it. And when it comes to Michigan, we've got two good quarterbacks. We lost Aiden Hutchinson. I think we're going to have a really good year, but I will tell you, we have to go down and play in Columbus in November. And when you think about playing Columbus in November, it's a very hostile environment. Number one, number two is we put an ass whooping on them last year. So they're going to be out for revenge. And the second and third thing is that their quarterback's really good. When you see what he did in the Rose Bowl after Michigan beat him, um, there was just phenomenal. It was phenomenal what that guy accomplished, CJ Stroud. So with that being said, we'll see what happens in November there, but up until that time, we're going to enjoy the season and then make the trek down to Columbus and see what happens. I think Aiden Hutchinson should have been the first overall pick. I think that uh, Jacksonville made a mistake, even though I think they picked a good guy out of Georgia. I just think Aiden Hutchinson was a better player. He was a game changer. I can tell you for the first time in my life, I have focused more watching the defense and on one player on the defense than anyone ever. The way he played on that field, even if he didn't make a tackle, he was involved in the other team using a strategy to stay away from him. But he also combined uh, with David Ujabo, and the two of them just did an unbelievable job of quarantining quarterbacks and just elevating the height of Michigan defense. And that was uh, that was Bo's uh, Bo Schembechler's claim to fame was strong defenses, strong defense, defense, offense wins game. Defense wins championships. Now you're speaking of, of Bo Beckler. If I re- again, I'm not as w- obviously as well versed in, in Michigan football as you, but there was a 10 year span in the 70s that was it the 60s and 70s that really people look at as the big thing between Ohio State and Michigan. It was called the 10-year war. It was between Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes. It started in 1969 and 10 years straight. Uh, Michigan came out on the winning edge of that five wins to four losses with one tie. And the one tie is a very controversial game. And you can do a whole podcast on the one tie game. 
I think the Big Ten Network even did a whole special on that one game just because of the ramifications for it. But uh, the 69 game, when Bo Schembechler came to Ann Arbor, that's what started it all. And I was a little boy in sixth grade in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I did go to the 1969 Ohio State game as a kid. And uh, Michigan won the game 24 to 12, and Woody lost to his pupil, Bo Schembechler, and the rest is history. Now, they were... Woody was a coach at was it Miami University, and Bo was his assistant coach. It, it's they called Miami of Ohio the cradle of coaches, and a lot of them have worked their way up there. And so, yes, see that to me. And if I remember this correct, again, I'm just going from what I remember about this that that uh, Woody made a kind of a, a rug with that score on there, twenty four to twelve for the Ohio State players to walk across. Right. He might have done that. And just like Bo Schembechler the year before, when Michigan lost 50 to 14 um, in 1968, the year before Bo got there, when Bo eventually arrived after they made a change in the coaching staff, he put on all the players' helmets, a piece of adhesive tape with the number 50. And the story and the legend goes, when Ohio State scored and they had it at 48 points, it was time to kick the extra point, and Woody went for two. And uh, supposedly a reporter asked, Woody, why did you go for two? And he said, because I couldn't go for three. So with legend, that's a legend. Whether it happened, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I can tell you uh, it, it was a fun rivalry, and it definitely put a lot of pep into Michigan football back in the 70s, uh, 80s, and 90s because there was uh, some doldrums going on in the late 50s and early 60s. And a lot of this stuff is pointed out in my book, yeah, which we're us. really excited about. Yeah, tell us about your book, my friend. Okay. Well, I'm happy to report, and you can see the cover of the book. This is the second book in a series. The first book we did, the first book we did was on Michigan football memorabilia. And it was a 500 and something page book, hardcover. You can see it's all hardcover. Yeah. And the pages are filled with almost 5,000 photographs of various pieces of memorabilia. And this was done by Brian Schneider and me, but um, I was running for political office, so I took my name off the cover. Uh, but Brian and I put that book together, and uh, we had the foreword written by Bo's son, uh, Shemi Schembechler. But when we did this book, our plans were always to say, we're going to do a second book, and that's on the history of Michigan football as portrayed by the covers of the Michigan football programs and ticket stubs. And so I, uh, I've been collecting Michigan programs and tickets and all sorts of other Michigan football memorabilia my entire life. And um, so we put together a book that was called the Michigan Football Program and Ticket Guide, and it comes out, we get it back from the publishers on August 12th. And this is what the cover looks like, Jeremy. You can see the cover there. And this book will be 640 pages. This book, will have over, this book will have over 2,500 photographs. And, uh, and we'll also have some other stuff besides programs, such as the history of where Michigan played and some other things. Um, but I'm proud to say that uh, I started working on this project about 30 years ago, and I have about 80 to 90 percent of the items in this book. But over the years, I've made friends with other individuals that were collectors, as well as historical libraries. And so I knew where a lot of 
treasures were that I might not have or where I could upgrade. For example, if I had a ticket sub torn in half and another collector had a complete ticket, we would use the complete ticket. And so there's um, there's at least 50 people listed as credits in the book. So I came up with this idea many, many years ago. And uh, most of your listeners should know that President Gerald Ford played football at Michigan. He did. And uh, I contacted President Ford through my connections. I was a federal agent for many, many years before I retired. And um, I got in touch with a friend of mine with the Secret Service. He put me in touch with the president. I put my idea through to the president that I wanted to do this book and asked him for an introductory letter. And he gave me one. So I have an introductory letter from the president of the United States that was written in 1996, and he passed away 10 years later. But that's how long I've been working on this book. So it's a it's an accumulation of my collection, as well as many other master collectors. There's a guy named Bob Shockey. There's Dennis Dale. There's Alan May. There's um John Stevens, there's Joe Seidel, there's Jack Briegel, just a whole bunch of guys that have great collections and, and they lent me a lot of images, as well as the Michigan's Bentley Historical Library. I also wrote a book a while ago on the history of the Little Brown Jug, so yeah. I received images from the uh, Minnesota Library where I went up there. And, um, now, and, people, um, people don't know stuff. what the, the Little Brown Jug is, can you explain that? Sure. The Little Brown Jug is based off a game that was played in 1903, where Michigan took a water bottle uh, into the onto the field, a big ceramic brown jug. Well, it wasn't brown at the time, but it was a clay jug to put water in because they were afraid that uh, somebody might take their water. So what happened was Michigan and Minnesota tied. Michigan went home. It was a big it was a big victory for Minnesota, even though it was a tie. And uh, this equipment manager found this jug in the locker room, and he went back to his athletic director and said, look, Fielding Yost forgot his jug. And he sang it in a Scandinavian accent. And so they wrote on it in big letters, Minnesota 6, and small letters, Michigan 6. And it was such a brutal game. Michigan didn't go there again until 1909, at which time the athletic director there said, hey, to his players, hey, go tell those Michigan lads that we got their jug for last from six years ago and ask them if they want to play for it. Hence becomes the oldest rivalry game known to exist, the little brown jug. But what I was going to say was working on a book on a little brown jug, I ended up getting more historical information from their museum as well. So as I've said about the book, 640 pages with almost 2,500 photographs. What we also have is a synopsis on each and every game ever played. And you may think that's a monumental task, and it was. And what happened was there are two different Michigan football historians. One's named Jim Parker, and the other's name is Bob Rosick. Bob lives in Ann Arbor. Jim Parker lives in Tumwater, Washington. Well, what happened was they both, as a hobby over the years, have always focus on writing summaries on Michigan football games. So I got a hold of Jim and I got a hold of Bob and I got all the summaries and my co-author, Brian Schneider and I, we put those summaries together to complete a synopsis for each game. And so therefore you have a book now that not only has almost every program and ticket known to exist, known to exist, not everyone, but everyone known to exist. There's not a program or ticket I know that, or I'm aware of out there 
that isn't in this book. I've contacted everybody and everybody's helped out. But uh, between Brian and I, we put together this book. And, you know, Bo Schembechler used to have a phrase. It was called the team, the team, the team. And there's a very famous speech that he gave that talked about the team. And this is truly a work of the team, the team, the team, because you've got the main collectors I talked about earlier, and then you've got the 50 or so collectors that might've just helped me a little here and a little bit there. Their names are all in the book, whether it be an Iowa collector or a Minnesota collector or a Michigan state collector or a Washington collector, just lending me an image that they had that might've been better than mine. So I'd like to say this, Jeremy, and I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I will say this, that I think this book, and I've been told this book, is the most unique book, an interesting book, written in the history of all sports, not just college football and not just Michigan. And the reason we say this is because it took almost 30 to 40 years in the making, and they will accumulate all of this information and put it in one place in a hardcover, beautiful bound book with all these images truly is hard work. Never has there ever been anything done like that for hockey, for baseball, for basketball, or any other football team that I'm aware of, as well as the fact um, you could look at other sports, the Olympics, things of that nature, boxing, never seen anything like this. So I don't want to sound like uh like I'm bragging, but I'm, we're very proud of this, the, the book that uh, Brian and I put together because he's the tech guy. He's the one that scans at all the photos. He's done an unbelievable job, and I'm more the accumulator and go-to guy to make a lot of contacts. Where's your collection right now? It's uh, about 25 feet from me. It's in the basement of my home. I have a, um, I have a, uh, a, Man cave. My wife has the main floor of the house, and I get the basement. That's the way it should be. That's remarkably decorated and uh, with no. pennants and things like now, that. Let me let me ask you this. And or I'm sorry, the 1800s as well as uh, buttons. I have a whole wall filled with hundreds of buttons and calendars from the early 1900s and lots of stuff. Are you on a phone right now that can travel? I'm sorry. What? Are you on a phone that can travel? Can you move? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, okay. Can you can you uh, take us for a tour? I might lose you. That's my concern. Okay. Um, if you might lose you, but what I can do, what I can do briefly with you, is I can just show you. I can show you. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. What I can do is I can um, I can show you the button wall. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now like, that look? Can, you, can you back up for just a second? If you look on the on the just to your left, just a, just a second, on the victors, uh, the pennant, the victors pennant. Um, if you that he has a wall with buttons right now that we're looking at, but over to the left, there's a there's a, a pennant of the victors, the the fight song for the uh, for the Michigan Wolverines. And what I was this is this is sheet music. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is old pieces of sheet music. And what I was told uh, about this is that song was written on a train ride. That's exactly right. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, That was the 1898 game. 
Yes. For some reason, it's hard to hear you right now, Jeremy. Okay. Could you? Okay. Yo, I can. I can hear you. No, we're good. We're good. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about the victors. Uh, the she the the music. Well, Michigan traveled to Chicago. Yeah. In eighteen ninety eight, on a train. Amos and Michigan was today. not supposed to win this game, and so oh. Michigan did win the game. And a young man by the name of Lewis Albell, he ended up liking the game and was so excited about the game that he wrote a song on the train ride back to Ann Arbor and it was called the victors. And uh, I think most of the college football fans all have heard that song before. And the interesting thing about my book is not only do I have the program for that game in it, an image of it, but I also have this, and this is a very rare piece. You can see right there. Okay. That is the 1898 Michigan football versus Chicago ticket stuff. Okay, you have it's the about ticket. four inches by three inches, yeah. and he has it in a hard case, and it is beautifully preserved. Yes, it's in incredible shape, and and uh, the funny thing about this is, I got this from a dealer in um, in um, in California, and I knew I'd probably never see one of these again. And then what happened was, he ended up. Uh, selling it to me. And then shortly thereafter, I ended up getting a call about six months later from another dealer who had one as well. So I'm thinking to myself, this must be a, you know, a replica or a duplicate. As it turned out, it was not. It was, a, uh, it was another ticket. And then very coincidentally, the ticket was side by side, the two seat numbers. Wow. So interestingly enough, I think the reason it was side by side was that Somebody probably broke open a scrapbook and sold it to do different dealers and they got a hold of me. So very proud of that item. That is, um, I just wonder how something that could be over a hundred years old be that well-preserved. I think it was probably in a scrapbook, but uh, if you're wondering about that, let me tell you about another image I've got in the book. Yeah, and that yeah. is this item right here. Can you see that item there? Okay. It that is, is the football program. University of 1881. 1881. It's a, it's a scorecard. It's probably about five inches by four inches. Okay. And it's against Yale. Michigan traveled to Yale in 1881 and played three football games with Princeton and Harvard and Yale in the course of a week. And uh, this is a program from the game. Okay. Now, can you turn it just a little bit in? Okay. Yeah, there you go. It says uh, the University of Michigan versus Yale, and it has University of Michigan um, – and yell. Does that tell the players, or is that uh, who are the names on that? On that, uh, for Michigan, um, a guy named Almendinger, and quarterback was a guy named Horton, and um, and for Yale, some people think that Walter Camp's name should be on here, but it's not. He was on this team, but his name's not in the program. Interestingly enough, so with that. It's just a very cool old item and one of the prizes in my collection. Now, I've got just a couple more minutes and I, and I want to pick your brain here, Ken, because I'm, I'm absolutely loving this. Um, I was going through my head and it's a very shallow pool in my head, if you, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, that If you had a Mount Rushmore of Michigan players or coaches, who would be on it? And here's if I had what? If you had a Mount Rushmore, you know, the of top. Of course, four, of course. For coaches? Well, no, for, for, for Michigan. See, to me, I wouldn't put Tom Brady on that. 
No, no, I wouldn't. But I'll tell you what, uh, if they if they had a, a Mount Rushmore for famous Michigan alumni, he'd be on it. Oh, he'd be on that, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I'd have to put on Mount Rushmore, Charles Woodson, Tom Harmon, Desmond Howard, and are we talking about players? Everybody. And uh, you'd have to put probably Fielding Yost on yeah. it. You can't, yep. you can't deny his record. Now, so I had there's Charles a few Woodson. others. What's that? I had Charles Woodson, Tom Harmon, who wore 98. He was the first Heisman Trophy winner out of Michigan history. And I had Fielding Yost. Now, I had, uh, I had a problem with that fourth one. Desmond I, Howard? Well, no, 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 Desmond Howard. I didn't even think of Desmond Howard. I had a problem figuring out who would be my fourth one. Because I had uh, – did Dan Deardorff the- – Attend Michigan. Dan Deardorff was a great lineman. Then there's other players such as a guy named Bob Chappius in the 50s. He came in third in the Heisman Trophy. But you might have to consider putting Anthony Carter, who was a three-time All-American. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to consider him. There were two three-time All-Americans at Michigan. Anthony Carter was number one, and Benny uh, Benny Oosterbond, who played in the early, uh, the late 20s, and Eventually became a coach and an athletic director and Benny to Benny. Benny to Benny. I, I had Brian Greasy on that list too. Um, but here's my problem, and you would know this better. Was his numbers in college as good as I think they were? Brian Greasy. Brian Greasy? Yes. No, and I don't know his numbers. I wouldn't have him on my Mount Rushmore. He did lead us to a national championship. He is a phenomenal person and a great leader and a very good quarterback so you take those three things as well as tough as nails you take those four things and that's what took us to the national championship Uh, that and charles woodson had a lot to do with it as well in 1997 but bob brian greasy wouldn't be on mount rushmore but when it comes to pure grit he'd be right there leading the charge He'd be the one chiseling away the, the the granite from the wall to get some other people on there. There's another great there's yeah. another great football player that I've been working on trying to get into the College Football Hall of Fame. I submitted his name, and we're trying to get the traction for him, and we haven't been able to. But his name is Rick Leach, and Rick Leach was a quarterback in Michigan in the '70s. He played four straight years. He started as a freshman. He had over 20 NCAA records, scoring, passing, rushing, you name it, for a quarterback. And when you think about it, Bo Schembechler was a running coach, not a passing quarterback. But Rick Leach came in, I think, 12th in the Heisman as a sophomore, somewhere in the top 10 as a junior, and uh, third or fourth as a senior. And he he was also a professional baseball player. He was an All-American baseball player. But Rick Leach also played the equivalents of four BCS games in a row. He played in three Rose Bowls and one Orange Bowl. And for the life of me, why Rick Leach is not in the College Football Hall of Fame is a big disappointment. You know, I didn't even think about Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard, if people don't know, if if all you know about Desmond Howard is he won an MVP playing for the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl MVP, you're missing an amazing kick returner, uh, wide receiver, an amazing player uh, in, in college football history. 
Well, it's interesting because he was the MVP of a Super Bowl as well as a kick returner when he was with the Packers and they won the Super Bowl. And then he also wins the Heisman Trophy. You know, so he was an exciting player to watch. No question about it. And a lot of those things we talk about in our all the game synopsis. We talk about some of the highlights of of them and and um, whether it be game programs or whether it be game the game tickets. Some players later on after like Tom Harmon is featured on the ticket stubs in the late early 1940s after he won the Heisman Trophy, you know, an image of him. Oh, yeah. But some of those things are so neat. And uh, real quick, what I was going to show you, yeah, uh, Jeremy, as I hold this up, it's hard <laughs> for you to see, but this is my ticket album. And you can see it's by year. And it's about 150 pages. And uh, you can see all the various tickets there. He um, has a he has a book that you would put baseball cards in, something similar to that. And he has the tickets in there. That's fantastic. Yeah, six pocket plastic pages, six pocket packet. Uh, pocket plastic pages from Ultra Pro. They're great items. And um, and we also, we take, you asked earlier about how the items are in such good condition. Yeah. Well, first off, they were probably in scrapbooks. But then, like, for example, here's a program. Uh, this is from 1922, the Michigan Michigan State game, also known as MAC. Great, great graphics on it. Can you see that, Jeremy? Yes, sir. Um. We go into another one, and here's a great one. This was the uh, the dedication game of Michigan Stadium in 1927 against Ohio State. Michigan won that game. Let me show some others that have some unbelievable color images on them, like this 1917 program where Michigan played at Penn. Oh. That's, but the interesting thing about college football, and you study football, and that is sometimes the covers of programs mimic what's going on in society at the time. For example, here's a 1928 Michigan-Indiana football program with a picture, a character picture of an airplane on the cover and says Spirit of Bloomington. And this is obviously a takeoff on Charles Lindbergh's Spirit of St. Louis as the first pilot to fly solo across the Atlantic. Or you could come down to 1918, where you see this colorful image against Michigan State. And if you see at the very top, there's oh, yeah. soldiers. And at the very bottom, there's soldiers marching. In the middle, there's a football player running with a ball with incredible artwork. And the artwork on these old programs is incredible. That's and this absolutely. is obviously for part of World War One. And that's what they show. And there's also programs from the 1940s that show World War II images. Here's probably one of my, for your football historians that like to study old uniforms. Here's 1907, Michigan versus Penn, where their uniform kind of a, a is just a big, thick sweater, sweater yeah. and some bamboo pads and uh, some high-ankled uh, high shoes and a handful of other things. So, but not all of them are as beautiful, but a lot of them are as rare, like this one showing Fielding Yost. And this is a program versus Detroit, and this one's in 1917. It's basically made out of newspaper stock. So, lots of fun programs here, lots of images that if, you're, if your listeners are, are historians of college football, you can't get out of any historic conversation about college football without talking about 
the University of Michigan. And I, I, so I, I, I'm, about uh, run, I'm about to run out of time. You'd be armed with a lot of information. But I do want to do this, and I want to apologize for leaving just a second ago. We're, we're having a, an election here tomorrow, and the place where I'm working is a poll place, so I had to talk to somebody. I apologize for that. Um, where can we find your books? Well, there's two ways you can find it. We're offering a special right now. Um, if you went online to you miss football. So if you forget that it's university, Michigan football. So you M I C H football.com. Okay. And we're offering a pre-publication pre-order sale where we pick up the books on August 12th. And if you order before then you get the book for a $10 discount. If you enter the code go blue. So you get $10 discounted off the cover price of the book. If you go to youmishfootball.com. Another thing you can do is you can always call me. And um, if you have images of Michigan football, if you are a collector of Michigan football, or if you just want to shoot the breeze about football, I get my number out to everybody. My telephone number is area code 503-781-3174. Again, it's 503-781-3174. And I've done a handful of podcasts and I have had some collectors call me, and it's always been great conversing with people. So you miss football.com or 503-781-3174. And my name is Ken McGee, and the name of the book is The Ultimate Michigan Football Program and Ticket Guide. And if you go to that website, you can also see the other book that has almost five, six, 7,000 images. There's so many of them of all old Michigan memorabilia. It could be pennants, could be buttons, could be ashtrays, bobbleheads, you name it. It's in there with the exception of the programs and tickets. Those are in our special book number two. Well, I'm going to put that on this uh, the show notes today, Mr. Ken, and I'm going to make sure that the listeners of this podcast um, will get to know where they get it if they're a Michigan fan. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, buddy. No, no, I appreciate you uh, coming on. This was fun. Yeah, you know, I've I've enjoyed chatting with you. We I'm not sure how much longer we have on our broadcast. We can talk a little bit more about Michigan football if you'd like. Well, well, did, we got about a minute before it's going to kick off. But let me ask you a question: If you could talk to Fielding Yost, what would be the one question you can ask him? I would ask him to tell me all about the 1902 Rose Bowl game, which was the very first Rose Bowl game ever played. Michigan traveled to California played Stanford and defeated them 49 to nothing. Additionally, I would show him that I have the football program from that game in my book. I've owned that program before. It's extremely rare. And if I had to ask him any question about collecting, I'd say, do you know if they had tickets to that game? Because I've read articles about it, but we've never seen a game ticket from the 1902 Rose Bowl. We've seen usher passes. We've seen buttons. We've seen programs. Uh, we've seen a few other knickknacks out there. Never have we seen a game ticket from the 1902 Rose Bowl. You're, you're, I tell you what, I love the passion that you have of your, of your team. I absolutely love it. You are the reason, Mr. Ken, that football is family. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I appreciate you having us on the air tonight. And again, you miss football.com or give me a call. I said the number earlier and um, order soon limited edition reproduction of this hardbound edition book. And we're super excited about it. It comes out August 12th. Thank you so much. And thank you. Thank all you, Jeremy. To the Football's Family Podcast.
And we have a new sponsor here at the Footballers Family Podcast. It's Manscaped. Support for the Footballers Family Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code FAMILY at manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and oh man is it a game changer. Inside the package you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver, revival toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and I dare say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and it also has a 400K LED spotlight you need for a more precision shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. And you thought that was good, but wait till you take your grooming game to another level. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Hair Ear Hair Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary safe skin technology, which help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with code FAMILY. That's get 20% off and free shipping with code FAMILY at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tool with Manscaped. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, Here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.